Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the podcast. This is a little pause there between episodes, had to get my life in order, um, but really excited to share this interview with you today. This is with uh, NDP MP Leah Guzin. Uh, Leah is an MP in the Winnipeg Centre and is just one of the most inspiring, outspoken, uh, no BS, straight to the point um, politicians in this country. And uh, I'm really inspired by uh, Leah's willingness to just go right at the problems and, and offer real tangible solutions. Um, and she's an unapologetic socialist and really believes in, uh, you know, all of our rights to, to clean and healthy environments um, and is uh, has now put forward um, a motion to transition the CRB or the CERB uh, COVID emergency response into a guaranteed basic livable income uh, and has been a longtime advocate of, um, you know, those wide-reaching solutions to poverty, such as um, a guaranteed livable income. And uh, this was a really awesome conversation that Leanne and I had. I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, as always, the best way to support this podcast is to uh, go on to Patreon, link in the description of this thing and into this in this episode. Uh, you can go on and um, support me on Patreon there, and that helps me continue having these conversations. Here we go. Uh, this is an interview with MP Leah Guzin. My name's Luke Wallace. Welcome to the Garden. What on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing? How do you get up every morning and do what you do? Because a lot of us are having a hard time, you know, yeah. finding finding a good pulse on ourselves and and finding the energy um, and determination to continue to to fight for the things that we believe in. And 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 you seem to do it day in and day out. So what's what's your mix of, of medicine and uh, and thought to get up and do what you do? Well, I have to say, like I come from the movement. Uh, I'm fueled by the movement. I was elected by the movement. Uh, they're the ones who got me nominated. It was the movement. Um, you know, the, even my latest motion, uh, 46, for a guaranteed livable basic income uh, is a pe- people's motion. Uh, my private member's bill, uh, you know, C232, um, to uh, ensure a clean, healthy and safe environment as a human right is fueled by the movement. So that's what energizes me. Um, you know, I represent the third poorest riding uh, in, in the country. Uh, we live in a country where human rights uh, is, is normalized. I, would, I have said that poverty is one of the most violent human rights violations that is normalized in this country. Um, it's not about me. I think being poor uh, every day on the streets, that's hard work. It takes a lot of work. I, Diane Redsky, who's, who's from my city, said it takes hours to be poor each day. It's the hardest job. And so, you know, when I feel like I'm, you know, feeling like I'm slumming it here, um, the battle is fierce for progressives here. We have um, now gotten in a, in a political time that's moving farther and farther to the right. Um, uh, it is fierce. It can be a lonely battle. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have a responsibility. We're all working on this movement in different capacities. I'm working at the present time uh, as a voice in government, but we're all fighting 
and uh, we're all working hard, whether it's trying to survive off CERB, trying to, to stay in our homes, uh, trying to keep fed. Those are hard jobs right now, and uh, I don't lose sight of that. Not only that, we're in a climate emergency that somehow has fallen by the wayside because we're in a pandemic. Well, the earth, uh, the climate emergency has not stopped. It persists. Um, it persists. Uh, we certainly see the current pandemic exacerbated by uh, consequences of, of, of the climate crisis, hurricanes, right. fires. Uh, and and, and we, if there was ever a critical time in history, it's now. Right. Absolutely. And I want to look at I want to look at a guaranteed income from a few different angles. And uh, I'm just, yeah, so grateful that, that, that you got such wisdom on it. So why don't we why don't we start at, at poverty? Because, um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to about a guaranteed income, especially where I'm from, they are of the mind that it's like, oh, I, I have a job. I don't really need it. Or, um, you know, oh, it sounds like a good idea, but I'm not sure that, you know, that I would need it. And and I kind of like scratch my head and go, yeah, but there's like a lot of people for whom this would completely transform their lives and who have been degraded by a system and are only, um, you know, do a, a, a good hand from that same system that's put them in a tough spot. And so, and so let's start at poverty. You know, what, what is it about a guaranteed income that really um, gets you stoked on, on, on reducing poverty and homelessness in this country? Well, here, here's the thing. Um, we already have guaranteed incomes. Like, uh, I'm not talking about a universal basic income where everybody gets an allotment. I'm talking about a guaranteed livable basic income for those that don't have a livable income. Examples, OAS for seniors. Uh, totally not livable. Uh, the the uh, allocations provided to disabled persons, guaranteed income, again, not livable. Um, I think, you know, looking at a guaranteed uh, income um, in addition to current and future government supports uh, to protect our social safety net, to build on our social safety net um, is critical. And I think we have to get beyond and even listening to the throne speech gag uh, yesterday talking about, oh, working, working, get back to work. And oh, youth, get back to work. You know, like everybody's going to work. Not everybody can work. People with uh, serious mental health issues, disabled persons that could have disabilities that prevent them from being able to work, senior citizens, uh, people who might be dealing with addictions or people that might be able to manage a part-time job really well, but maybe a full-time job is too much. Uh, artists who have been totally slaughtered by the pandemic. Students who weren't able to work, who weren't even mentioned in the throne speech, by the way, um, as a result of the pandemic, that are trying to get an education. Students, many, most students live in poverty. Uh, and, and something like a guaranteed livable basic income, in addition to real investment in affordable, accessible social housing, um, putting legislations in place to ensure that, for example, rent gouging doesn't occur, um, you know, is, is critical. This is not, uh, this is, we've kind of gone beyond the time of EI, which was initially designed actually for white working men. Uh, you know, people like women fleeing domestic 
abuse weren't part of the discussion at the time. Like right. times have changed, but the social safety net is not responding to the diverse needs of people. And we, we need to change that um, immediately. And that's one of the reasons in, in, with, in really, really hard direct work with Basic Income Manitoba and Basic in, Income Canada, um, I put forward uh, my, my private uh, member's motion. Right, right. And how, how is the response? You know, I know, I know there's senators within the country, uh, you know, who are, I'm not sure about the Senate, to be honest, but I know there's lots of people within, yeah. within yeah, the government. I've gotten I, oh, tons of support across the party lines. Right. The Liberals have now made it one of their key policy discussions at their upcoming convention. Uh, I worry about that, though, because it can't be uh, in replacement of of a basic or a, of our social sa safety net. It has to be in addition to, um, you know, so I worry about, I don't want a right-wing guaranteed income because it can be either good or bad. It has to be in addition to current and future government supports. Right. Um, you know, Senate, Kim Pate, rock star on this file. Uh, she has been a leader on it. And let's not forget, uh, you know, you know, people who have been advocating uh, for an end to violence against Indigenous women to and girls and Two-Spirit, this is one of the calls to justice, 4.5 guaranteed livable basic uh, income. This is a human rights matter. You know, in our um, constitution, which includes our charter, uh, that includes uh, ensuring that people can live with dignity and human rights. Right. That is not happening in this country. That is certainly not happening in my riding of Winnipeg Centre, where people are literally falling on the streets right now as a result of the pandemic. People who are literally uh, one paycheck away from being on the streets. We have to address this immediately. And I think there's people from across party lines and certainly in the Senate that support this. Right. And so why, in your, in your opinion, why is it so hard for us to have that that reverence for life and that love for our fellow human being and, and to really honor all of our rights to a dignified life. Why is that so hard to sort of bring about into real life in within government? Um, because, you know, I, 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 it's hard to imagine that a lot of the other representatives in this country don't, don't also share at least a basic understanding that humans deserve a dignified life and that we have the capacity to su supply that. So where, where is it stuck? Well, I think I think it's bizarre. First of all, it's not even that we have the capacity. It's a legal obligation. Like as members of parliament, uh, we take an oath to uphold the rule of law. And everybody talks about the rule of law as like send in the RCMP. That's actually not the rule of law. Right. The rule of law is upholding our constitution, and one of the and part of our constitution is our charter, which says that everybody has a right to live with human rights and dignity. But we fail to do so. Um, so, so I don't even think, I mean, beyond just being a moral imperative, we also have a legal imperative in this country to ensure that everybody's human rights are met. Uh, that means food security, that means housing. Uh, we have a legal uh, obligation. I think part of the issue is we bought, in this, bought into this kind of neoliberal um, regime. And, you know, I've said on many podcasts, like, I, I just find the discussion bizarre. Like, why aren't people saying, oh, those corporate welfare bums sitting on their yacht, drinking a cocktail on my taxpayer dollars? Like, right. why? That's the problem. 
That's what the it's not it's not people that are living in poverty, uh, in violence, panhandling for for so that they can eat a sandwich. They're not the problem here. The fact that people lived rough in this country at that level in even places like Winnipeg where we have growing uh the, where encampments are growing in size where we go down to 40 blue you're on the west coast i'm in the eye of the cold storm they call us winter pig and people die on the streets there's been uh, stories of a woman who died uh on the street frozen to the sidewalk we don't have enough shelter space in addition to that, and which we shouldn't even need shelters because people should have permanent homes. Right. We need to get, we need to work our way out of the shelter business so that people actually have a permanent place to live in the way that they can live, with, whether it means supported living um, or on their own. Um, but this is also a health and safety issue. We are in a pandemic and we know one of the, the best ways to protect ourselves uh, from, from COVID is to be able to physically distant and, and f wash your hands frequently. That requires access to clean drinking water in a home. Right. And not an overcrowded one. Like there's houses in, for example, First Nations communities where there's 20 people living in a house. So it's right. a public health. If you don't care about social justice, if you don't care about you know, uh, you know, paying for your fellow human being, then at least care about this as a health and safety measure. So that's why I pushed it forward. It is a private member's motion. I have um, gained uh, endorsements from everybody on uh, the caucus and verbal support uh, from from uh, the leader. Uh, I have gained endorsements from the Canadian federations from st for students, seniors organizations, unions, religious, um, re spiritual organizations, uh, the gamut, right. uh, immigration, refugee or organizations. Uh, we need this. And, you know, it's highly popular. It's, you know, they took a poll as 60% of 62% of Manitobans support a guaranteed income. 60% of even Albertans do, as the as things in the tar sands go in the tanker, literally. Right. And we see the price of oil going down and people are losing jobs. People need to know that they're not going to end up on the streets. Right. Right. So what next then? Where, where does where does the bill go and and what, what what should we all be keeping an eye out for? Well, they didn't mention it in the throne speech. Apparently, uh, one of the ministers was interviewed today and said, well, it wasn't in the throne speech, but it's part of, I, I don't know if they're going to make it part of the budget, um, the, 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 the liberals, I'm not sure. Even if it doesn't, like, I want to let people know not to lose hope that we, this is a people's motion. We have to keep pushing. This is a human rights issue. Uh, it is abhorrent in a country uh, uh, that has the, the resources that it has, that people live in poverty, particularly First Nations uh, uh, across this country, because the, the wealth in this country has been born on the backs of the human rights violations of Indigenous peoples. Uh, that, that, that even in, in our communities that are bearing the brunt of the environmental destruction and violence that has happened in this country, uh, that we have overcrowded housing.
So we need to keep pushing this forward. Um, and uh, you don't stop till you get it done, right? Like, just don't quit. We cannot quit. If there was ever a time where we could push for change, uh, now's the time. And we just got to push. Right. No doubt. So beautiful. Um, let's zoom out to, to end this. And I just, I'm, I'm so grateful for your passion and your perspective on all these things. And I think um, whether we're looking at a guaranteed income uh, as a solution to, you know, all, all, all of the things that, that a guaranteed income um, can address wealth redistribution, you know, poverty, um, uh, you know, a, a piece of our much needed commitment uh, to reconcile uh, the present and past injustices to Indigenous people uh, as a climate solution. It seems to, to touch on a lot of, a lot of those pieces. And um, if we zoomed out, it seems like so much of the, so many of the problems that we face collectively uh, and so many of the solutions just involve honoring how special the life that we all are living is and how important it means to be alive right now as a human being on this planet facing what we're facing. And I see a lot of that in, in the, when I listen to other interviews you've done and uh, the writing that you've done and the work that you're doing in policy, it's, you seem to have such a, a passion and a care for what it means to be alive and, and to allow that to flow into the, the policies that you're seeking to write and the things that you advocate for is just such a beautiful harmony of sort of the, the, you know, the big picture love for humanity and the real minute stuff that has to happen in government. Well, I really appreciate that. And I, I'm going to share a story, a very uh, quick story. But, uh, you know, I, I, was a, I taught in university for many years. Uh, I'm a recovering academic. And, uh, yeah, and it's a kind of a nice job. You know, I got to write and think. And so, you know, I, I think a lot. So it was a good job for me. But, um, you know, I said, you know, in, in Winnipeg, we have a street called Main Street. And that's where you see, like, that is the, the roughest place. Like, people are living rough. You know, that, that is, it is like people are in agony there because you can see... Uh, decades and decades and decades of of trauma, uh, particularly colonial trauma, that that shows itself in addictions and 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 mental and issues with mental health. And so people get have gotten used to it, and they just drive by. Like I see women getting beaten up there, and people are just driving by. And so I said, you know, like. Why do we do that? You know, maybe that's your grandmother. And if I, if, if I saw somebody being harmed, I would immediately stop because racism's really a real business. We, we have talked about that a lot more during the pandemic. You know, I would stop what I was doing, even if I didn't know them. I would intervene. You know why? Because that is a human being. And I know whatever their story is, I know they come from a mother and that they have at least one person who loves them. And if we just had that same thought and understood that everybody has a story and started uh, fighting for solutions that, that were based on the fact that we are humans being within our stories and our life, deserving of dignity and human rights, deserving of what we need to experience joy 
with without judgment it would be a much better world i just want people to stop for people that have been written off and that is the people that are living rough the people who have been impacted by colonialism racism the 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 the, the total disregard of seniors in this country people that do the best they can but are dealing with mental health issues disabled persons who aren't even barely a mansion i know they're talking about it in the throne speech the suicide rates of disabled persons since the pandemic is skyrocketing we gotta stop it and this is our opportunity to divest from corporate welfare to go after offshore tax havens, to tax the ultra-rich, and to make sure that everybody in this country can live in dignity. And I will not stop, no matter what. I will not stop uh, until we realize that. So I, I thank you for having me on uh, your podcast. And uh, keep moving the movement. We will win. We're going to win. <laughs> we will. Uh, so grateful for you. And, and we're totally behind you and beside you and in front of you, whatever you need. Um, I can't wait for the folks out here to, I know a lot of them know about you and I can't wait for everyone else to hear your wisdom. Where are you from? I know you uh, said the West Coast. Yeah, I, I grew up in Vancouver and now I live on Salt Spring Island. You live on Salt Spring Island? Yeah, you've been here? <laughs> no, but I want to go there. After pandemic, it's my fa one of my favorite parts of the world. Okay, well, I'll show you around anytime you come around. Yeah. Okay, sounds great. Take care. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah. Take care.